This is the Championship Club Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Championship Clubs Podcast. We've been away for a little while uh, today. Uh, we'll be joined, as ever, by Charlie Beckett. We'll be looking back at the first half of the season of the Championship, the last couple of rounds, head to a couple of rearranged games this weekend, and obviously uh, Ealing's participation in the Premiership Rugby Cup. But we're going to get straight into it with a guest, a uh, man that's been in the headlines for the league this week. It's a pleasure to welcome Will Rigg. Welcome to the show, Will, and, and thanks for joining us. And, and first of all, huge congratulations on the move to Exeter. How's it been? Yeah, no worries. Um, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind, really. Everything happened. Everything happened pretty quick. Um, but since I've sort of like got settled down here, it's been a it's been like a smooth sort of transition. So uh, so yeah, it's been it's been good. And obviously everyone that, that follows our channels will have seen that we try and champion this as much as possible. And we're seeing more and more of it. Another championship player going on to make the step up. We've seen you make that now familiar pathway from, you know, Bucks to the champ, now into the Premier. You weren't in the champ very long before being picked up. So that's obviously credit to you. Was that always the goal? And, and do you think that's a, the right kind of pathway for the for the younger players aspiring now? Yeah, when I when I joined uni, I didn't, my rugby wasn't really at a point where, like, because growing up I was, I was predominantly playing cricket. So... And then I joined Cardiff Met and started playing rugby again. And then it all sort of went from there. And then in my last year, I had an idea that maybe oh, this is something that I wanted to do. And then joined Cov at the end of my last year. And then from there, it was just sort of, right, can I get into the Cov team, play as much as I can? And then obviously after a good year last year, it was almost like, obviously, this is something I really I wanted to do. And then like this year, just was never really ever expecting like a mid-season sort of, offer or move but then it, when it came it just yeah it was it was a massive surprise but one that I was obviously delighted with and uh, now just happy um, to be down here so yeah it's been it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a not a whirlwind last few years but I guess it's just everything sort of just happened quickly and I've just gone from place to place I'm sure as a, a young man you're obviously well aware of you know all the things that are spoken about with rugby on social media but perhaps trying to avoid some of uh some of the other stuff that you see on there, obviously a lot of praise for, for yourself and, you know, hotly tipped by many to, to go on and have a, a stellar career. And maybe even in the international scene, I've obviously been, I've seen that you've been tipped by a couple of rugby accounts that are affiliated with, with ourselves as well. Is that something that's sort of like the ultimate goal for you or is it just sort of taking it one step as it comes now you've just made it into the into the premiership from the champ? Yeah, I think, if, I think any rugby player would say they want to go to the highest level. But I guess for me, now it's just like I got myself established in the cough side and then, just trying to pick up as much experience as I can in the exercise, hopefully, and then just take, sort of take each, I know it's cliche, but sort of take each week by week um, without really setting any sort of like massive long-term goals. It's just sort of taking each each week of my strides and then hopefully just trying to get as much experience as I can, playing with sort of the best players that I can and then um, just take it from there, really. I suppose just taking it back a little step, then obviously moving into uh, moving into that, environment of the, of the premiership that you know sandy park exeter doing very well how excited are you to get in front of that home crowd for the first time yeah it will be um it will be good um obviously like country country gets some great crowds as well but then in the premiership you know it's like you just said it's that sort of next level and i think everyone that plays plays sport and particularly rugby want to want to play in front of those sort of big crowds on those big occasions and i'm just the same as everyone else and like if i am lucky enough to get the opportunity to do it this this season i'm sure i'll be uh I'll sure be excited to um, to do it. 
just going back to the championship, obviously spoken about Coventry a little bit. They've been part of a very, very good Coventry side in in the past few years. I think that helped secure their uh, their best ever uh, top flight finish or their highest ever finish um, in professional rugby. How much did you enjoy your time at the BPA? Yeah, I loved it. We, I think anyone that's been there in the last sort of year and a half will know what a, what a great environment is. And that's credit to to Alex and the Skays and um, some of the other coaches we've got there for creating that environment. All the all the lads sort of get on so well. Like we're, that made it was one of the hard uh, what made it hard leaving. You know, it's such a such a tight knit group. Everyone so uh, so connected. And yeah, it was it was really enjoyable. Sort of year and a half. Obviously, winning a lot helps as well. But that's something that we sort of built together. We we sort of knew our strengths. Uh, we stuck at it with some some great input from the coaches, and we just got on a roll really. Especially towards, especially after Christmas uh, last season, we we were playing some really good stuff and a lot of results that people were surprised by. But as a group, we weren't necessarily surprised by because we knew what we were capable of. We knew sort of what we created um, at the club and the sort of special sort of group that we had. Um, so yeah, it was it, it was an amazing year and a half, and like I was lucky. I, been lucky to be uh, to be a part of it. And obviously, on this show and and the championship in general, there's a there's a purpose behind when we have these kind of conversations. Obviously, great for the individuals, great for the teams, you know, great for the league. But you know, the the elephant in the room, of course, is is everything that's going on at the moment and the and the uncertainty. So, obviously, being at Coventry, you will have no no doubt seen that. I'm sure it would have been spoken about in the changing room and as you know, members of staff and and you know where we stand at the at the time of recording. I know there's a meeting coming this week. There's still no further forward with what happens next. What's your take? What's the players' take without throwing any of the lads under the bus on, on what's going on? We as players, we see the value of that league. Um and people connected with the league will see the value of it. Um so yeah, to see it sort of being sort of un sub under supported as such it is um it isn't particularly nice but then we can't really control any of that either so i guess for us like we just got to, when we were playing we just got to crack on with what we're doing but yeah it's um it everyone sort of knows how important the league is into the into the uh, for the whole of english rugby I, I remember seeing that that thing that you you guys did with was it how many players was it? it was like over 100 players in it the, the pages on pages yeah, yeah. pages of players who who but played in the championship, who then gone into the Premiership. So it, it, we all know how important it is, and I think it does it does deserve more support, and um, it shows that like the the sort of competitiveness of the league and the standard of the league is there for everyone to see. Because you see players who have played in it and then go on to play in the Premiership and have a sort of real long successful career. So um, so yeah, that's sort of my my uh, standpoint on it, and the, the viewpoint from many other lads. Uh, at Cov and probably from a lot of other clubs playing in the championship as well, they want to see sort of the league get as much support as it possibly can because it is a, it is a great league. And obviously, where we see that go next, you talk about that that tight knit group at Cov. No doubt, you can have some some good good friends there, some friends for life. And you know, thankfully for you and and thankfully for lots of other players making that step up, you know, securing their livelihood. We talked about it last time. Charlie mentioned it. I think there was a, a comment about it being tedious and and it not being tedious to us because it is people's livelihoods. Obviously, you're sorted. That's great, but you know, seeing your own mates being left in limbo, I'm obviously sure you, you want to see them, you know, have their future secured as soon as possible. Really, you, when you're in it, you don't really think of it like that. But now that you've mentioned it, you obviously want 
all your teammates who are like just as talented as each other to be able to have that chance to obviously um, have a good career and um, do as well as they can from it. Obviously, that's really important. Um, so, yeah, it's not nice, especially when we've seen some of the, for like the Jersey lads. We've had a couple of lads who are connected with Jersey. Obviously, um, Adam Nickel joined from Jersey. And obviously, like when I remember the day Jersey sort of went under, like it was, it was like proper real life sort of problems. People didn't know whether to leave the island, and then you don't want to see that on anyone. So, as much security for anyone playing the game is obviously great. Is obviously what we need. Um, and at the minute, it's it's obviously um, a difficult situation. Of course, we don't have a solution yet. We've had lots of talk. It feels like we say it on every show, but obviously, while you're here, what would you like to see happen? Personally, you've seen a few. Things you know tried and, and tested out. Obviously, the Premiership Rugby Cup. Obviously, the flip side of that now. But you know, being in a Championship environment where you can bring in a big crowd for the with the Premiership club yeah. coming to town. You know, something like that. Do you want to see that continue? What, what's your your thought? I thought that that was a great experience for for the Champ clubs, and I think a lot of clubs. Well, Ealing obviously still in it, but a lot of clubs showed that they can compete at that level as well. So, as much sort of integration between the two leagues as possible. Obviously, like. As soon as we can sort of probably get promotion and re uh, and relegation back, um, I, I think everyone would like to see that because then you can see a real progression. Like if you succeed in the championship as well, so yeah, the, that integration between the two leagues and obviously the leagues below um, is such a sort of structural point of not just rugby but all of sort of British sport, isn't it? We see teams come up and and down, and that 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 would be great if we could get to that back to that scenario where that you. Playing in the championship week, you know, if you if you perform, your your side will get rewarded with that um, promotion back to back to the top flight. I think that's something that that would be great to be sort of seen again. And what about the next Will Rig, the next champ player to make the step up? Anyone caught your eye in the league this year? Uh, I think some being some real real good players coming in uh, from Cobb. We've got some great young players. Uh, Will I've been playing a lot with um, Will Wand. He's been. He's sort of gone under the radar a lot this year, but he's he's a great athlete. Um, some real good young backs. Toby Wilson, he's been playing a lot recently. He's been uh, he's been really impressive since he joined from Worcester. Um, we have Obi Obi joined from Saris this year. He's been really impressive, and and like we said before, that the league that gives people game time, and the only way you're going to improve is game time. So um, that's what's so good about the champ. It gives young players a chance to play regularly. Uh, against proper proper sides and proper grounds and good crowds and stuff, and that's that's probably why it's that's probably why I personally um, valued it so much. We'll be asking Charlie on his halfway report in a, in a minute or so, but we can't have you on without asking you to make a bit of a prediction. We'll put you on the spot. Where do you think the season goes from here? Who's gonna who's gonna finish at the top and the bottom, and maybe who's gonna be the surprise package and push someone all the way? But uh, obviously, Ealing are, are, su are such a strong side. We all know about that. But I think I was really impressed with. Uh, I was really impressed with how Pirates played when we played it, uh, us the other week. Like we know, we know how strong our home form was, and uh, for them to come and I think they they fought really hard for that win. They've been they've been a real surprise when I played them this year. Um, Nottingham also seem to have a real good attacking sort of mindset as well, which is which is good to see as well. So I think it's hard to go away from Ealing. Um, we all know the sort of strength and depth that they've got there, but I think um, Pirates will be be up there. Um, obviously, Cov as well. Like we know that we're good enough to finish 
in the top three. Um, and then Bedford seemed to never really go away as well with the, the way that they play. So, yeah, that's probably that's probably how I'll be looking at it right now. I've got to back the Coventry boys, obviously. So, uh, so yeah. We've heard a couple of... Don't worry, mate. We've heard a couple of wheeze creep in there, mate. You can't let go. It's too soon. <laughs> too soon. Well, it's been great to have you on the show, mate. We'll uh, we'll continue no worries, to, to, to track the journey. And uh, and thanks for coming on. No, no worries. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to Will for, for coming on the show. And, and another championship player that's made that, that step up. We continue to follow his journey, like we say. And, and, and hopefully plenty more of those to come. We're going to look back now at the last two rounds um, of the season. We're going to look at the first half of the season in general. And it's the first time today we'll hear from Charlie Beckett. Mr. Beckett, how are you, sir? Very well. Thank you, Mr. Hancock. Very well. Just fascinating listening in like a little spy to your interview with uh, with Will there. Um, you've got to hate someone who's just gone up to the Premier Rugby who didn't start playing it till he was at uni and just played cricket until then. Like, every, when he said that, every bit of my jealous being was just twitching. Like, oh, and he's got such a strong jawline as well. I, was look- <laughs> I couldn't stop looking at that on his screen the whole time. So, no, brilliant to hear from him. And... Honestly, having played against Will a fair few times over the last few seasons, he's a hell of a player. And I think he's got everything he needs to go and really make it at that top level. And what a place to go and do. You look at Exeter. I was having this conversation with a friend the other day. Exeter don't sign superstars. They just make them. Like, And he's a young man still going into one of the best environments from what you hear in English rugby. So I think we'll be seeing a lot more of him at the top end, which is exciting for everyone, but especially for him. Shall we flip it this week? Shall we start at the bottom and work our way up to the top? I don't want to be... Uh guilty or accused of um sort of spending less time on the on the lads as we get further down the table let's start let's flip it today uh we'll look at the like we say the look at the the league and how it's gone the first half we're sort of there now not everyone's not on even games obviously due to the the buy rounds but we'll start with with London Scottish they are in 11th place um they're not as far adrift as they have found themselves in in recent seasons and for that reason it's probably you know how they're playing at the moment they look back at, at round 11 we haven't spoken about the last two rounds of championship games and Running Bedford all the all the way at um, Golden, Goldenton Road. I think it was 32-25. Yeah, they, they've run Bedford close. They have run Donny close. They obviously ran Cov close, had the kick to win it at the end. They beat Ealing. Like, yes, they're 11th, but you look at them 12 months ago and look at them now, it's a very, very different situation scenario, I'd say, for London Scottish. You're not seeing, in the last year or two, we've seen them lose by 100 points and they're, they're not there at all. So while they're still 11th, I think it's a much stronger London Scottish than we've seen and subsequently I think it's a much stronger league this season than we've uh, we've seen in seasons past so they'll obviously be disappointed to be 11th obviously you don't want to be last but I think when you take stock of where they are compared to maybe 12 months ago they're in a much much stronger position and obviously for four points further ahead of them in in 10th place and, and you'll be able to give a, a unique insight on this in a moment is is Cambridge um, who continue to improve every week and we, we did say these months would be crucial months for them to to get some wins, and they did that in round 11 at home to, to Coldy, another team in and around them, 33-14, a cracking win for them there. And, and running you boys all the way at, at Castle Park last week, 29-19, you didn't have it all your own way against them, did you? Absolutely not, and actually it's almost a travesty that they get nothing out of that game, that they they, they take no uh, league points away because they came with a plan, they executed it well, and they're a, they're a very good side at what they do. And I was speaking a lot to Anthony Allen after the game on their coach, who I know Tone from... Work at less Tigers together when I was in the academy and he was just saying we're just still finding our feet we're finding the team we are and we'll just continue to get better as the season continues and I think a big thing for them I think he said was as soon as they knew there was no relegation this season that was a big 
uh, a big moment for them because they could play with the shackles off a little bit. They can play a little bit more of expansive rugby. And you see from the offloading and the expansive game they play, especially uh, now Merrigan and Jamie Benson, both involved at the weekend, two young men who had massive influences on the game. So I think Cambridge are just getting stronger and stronger. They had a real rough start to the league, and especially having the, that uh, Premiership Cup to start off, that was really tough for them, some of the uh, scorelines in that. But they have improved at a very impressive rate of knots. And we'll, I, I've no doubt we'll take more scalps well this, uh, as this uh, season continues. I suppose in the same breath, a, a similar side doing similar things at Coldy into their second season now. And, Proving a, a tough opposition for sides. Yeah, again, they've obviously been disappointed with that defeat at Cambridge. We won't talk about that. We've just spoken about Cambridge. But what about that win at the weekend? You called it. Coventry uh, coming to the coming onto the Wirral and, and you know, going home empty-handed, other than the bonus point, of course. Yeah, you look at it, and in their time in the Championship, they've now beaten Ealing, Doncaster and Coventry at Caldy. Like, it's becoming arguably the, the hardest place to go in the league. The, the, certainly the most awkward, I'd say, their home record is probably better than Amptill's uh, at Dillingham Park, which historically has been the place you don't want to go. So, Coldy, they they know what they are. They know what they're very good at. They're a big side with a good set piece, and that will get you a long way in rugby. Like they are never ever easy to beat. You you very rarely see them not in games, even when they lost fairly handy down at Ealing a few weeks ago. They got their four tries. They took their point from there. So, I think probably for Coldy, their away form is what limits them at times. They they don't seem to get too many wins on the roads, but they don't lose that often up at Patton Field and that, that that puts you in a good place. You never you never really worry about Coldy being towards that bottom 11th place. Do you always think they'll be a little bit above there, I think, because of that home form? Just moving up the table now, I'll ask you two questions, really. A, is it fair to say that the league is split into that bottom three? Then there's a little pack in the middle of a middle three and then there's almost a top five that are so close together. We'll talk about that more generally in a minute. But Amdil, the next side up, another side that have had a mixed two weeks, um, struggled at Hartbury, who do, do play a, a you know a fast and quick brand of rugby. They're in good form themselves. I think it was fifty four thirty four, so a high score in one uh, in round eleven. And then again, disappointingly, losing at home in the last play to to another side that like to chuck it about in in Nottingham. They've scored a lot of points, but they're conceding a lot as well. But they're they're nice and uh, steady in eighth. Yeah, I think that'll be two really disappointing losses uh, for Amptel, those last two. They're the sort of sides that if you really want to make the step from that sort of medium bracket into that top five, top six, like we saw Morgan Strong's interview uh, in the previews of the season, uh, club captain, they were talking about being top three Amptel, which you look at the names they've got, like isn't a ridiculous statement. It's it's ambitious, but not ridiculous. It's a very strong side. Some of the players that you've seen on dual edge from Saracens there as well. Incredibly, incredibly talented players. But if you're going to make that step up from this middle pack that you're talking about, you've got to beat those around you. And Hartbury and Nottingham are the teams around them. So they're two quite damaging losses to Hampton in the last few weeks that they would have been hoping to have better results, especially that one up at Hartbury. That Hartbury are a good side, but to to concede 50 against Hartbury will be a, be a disappointing result for them. But um Amstel are such an awkward side. On their day, they'll beat anyone. Like that was always. I always thought that was the case when I was there. Like I always felt on our day, we could run anyone close and beat anyone. And they're definitely still that way. They probably play a slightly different style of rugby now. It's probably like it's probably more exciting to watch than when I was there. I'm not saying that was my influence, but um, but they they maybe don't have the consistency of those teams around them. So like, like I say, I think that'd be a disappointing two losses, but. By no means will they definitely be finishing eighth this season. They could very easily, especially how tight it is in there, find themselves in sixth with a couple of wins. So it's very tight in that middle and losing those two games doesn't mean that they are out of the hunt for that top five, top six. 
up to Nottingham in in seventh, a team that have only played once in the in the last couple of weeks. They did actually play at home, which was great to see them back at Lady Bay and, and see that the pitch has recovered from from that really terrible flooding and the, the money they lost there. I think they they had a good Friday night crowd to uh, to get some money in the coffers there and, and beat the British Army. But yeah, that what a win for them. They needed that last week, didn't they? They've got back on track. You know, Dillingham Park's a, a difficult place to go, and they they came away with five points in. Well, like a bit of a thriller. Yeah, massive five points. And it was it was a good friend of mine, Jack Stapley, who scored the try, who I believe genuinely something like the 88, 89th minute, I think, because, because it was a tie. Both teams just kept playing. So it, as a front five forward, if you're asking me to play 90 minutes, I might, if that ball had come to me about 85, I think I would have been accidentally knocking that on or just kicking it off. Like, we'll just take the three points here, lads, because that's a lot of running. Um, no, I've said a lot in this podcast this year that I tip Nottingham to be a better Nottingham side than they have been before. I think that's true. I think they maybe haven't uh, continued on some of the promise early in the season. They've had a few injuries and um, strength and depth has been maybe a little issue there, which it is for everyone. Like we all know the struggles there is financially. Like one of the first thing to go is, is the depth of your squad. So when they put their starting 15 out, they're as good as anyone in this league. I truly believe that. They just maybe don't have the strength and depth that some of the sides above them have. And that's maybe why they're sitting seventh. But we've got to go to them in two weeks on a Friday night at Lady Bay. And that's a really, really difficult game to go and play. So uh, I still think Nottingham, along with Bedford, are the best fun to watch in this league. And I think seventh is maybe a little low for how good they can be on their day. And uh, onto the very, very middle of the pile because of the 11 teams now is, is Hartbury, who's sitting sixth. We've just spoken about them. Uh putting Ample to the sword, scoring 50 points at the Alpass. But I think probably more so caught my eye with them was was last week's result at Ealing, 33-20, by no means uh, no means a shellacking. And there's no disgrace even when that does happen either. No, it, it's a good Hartbury side this year. They seem to have a good mix of some experience. Let's see, like some Will Crane going back to Hartbury from, from Pirates. He's been at Hartbury for a long time. They've got good experience. They've got boys who know how it works at Hartbury. They've got that Hartbury DNA. And then they always have this sprinkling of young talent coming from Gloucester, from Bristol, from from their uh, their loan club. So it's a very good Hartbury side this year. And I think they'll be looking up rather than down uh, in the league table and seeing how high they can get the rest of the season. I spoke about that sort of bottom three, middle three, now to the top five, if that's fair of me to say. But we're up to, to fifth with with Bedford. And I think they'll be disappointed. I'm, I'm going to say it. I think they're... They're a better side than they've probably shown at home so far in, in 2024. I think you saw Mikey Ray on social media saying that they were disappointed and they weren't at it when they when they played us against Pirates. Um, obviously, a, a good win against London Scottish on a Friday night who were, who were no mugs. But, you know, it was not so long ago they could have gone top of the league. Um, obviously, a couple of disappointing results at home to, to Coventry and Pirates. But it's just so tight, isn't it? You know, they, someone as influential as um, Michael Le Bourgeois being out you know, could, could sometimes maybe even prove the difference in these tight games. Yeah, and like you say, if we deal with it as a top five per se, like losing two other clubs in that top five almost seems doubly as damaging. So when you're doing poorly, they're doing well. So losses to yourselves and Coventry, especially at home, that's going to really, really uh, hurt Bedford. Now, again, another team who'll be looking up Bedford. You and I spoke about earlier this season of Bedford could very easily be in that top two come the end of the year. Like they play some of the best rugby. They are horrifically dangerous when they when they click and playing Bedford is the most frustrating thing in the world because you'll be on top of them three or four phases defensively and then they score and you're under the person like I've got no idea how that happened they are David Blaine like in the way they just make something out of nothing so they'll be frustrated with being fifth I think they'll definitely want top three top four but that top five now is so so tight that 
honestly, one result can change everything. So I don't think they'll be anything too worried at Bedford, but they'll almost be like a bit of regret on missed opportunities over the last few weeks that they could very easily be second or third. Speak about missed opportunities. You obviously had Will Rigg on uh, a moment ago speaking about how successful Coventry have been. You can't, you know, can't take that away from them in the last sort of 18 months while he's been at the club. But they, again, will probably be another side that are probably a little bit disappointed with how they've started the year. I think they were top after beating Bedford on on New Year's Day. Uh, they were top when, when Cornish Pirates went to the BPA a couple of weeks ago. They only just, I think, well, they, they lost, they kept a, a victory against London Scottish away thanks to a, miss, a late missed penalty. They've lost that, Coldy. Uh, they did lose at home to the Cornish Pirates. There's a couple of results there that, Maybe Coventry are creaking, but they're still they're still well in contention at fourth and still a very dangerous side. Yeah, I think everyone from here up now, really, apart from potentially that top two, will be ruining missed opportunities since the new year. Like everyone has lost games that they would have expected and hoped to win. And if they had won those, would be sitting in that top two where yourselves and Ealing find find yourselves nicely situated. So I think Coventry again. Look, there's no bad sides up here. There is no bad teams at this this end of the league. And I think again, it shows the strength of this league. I said it in the preview of the pod that, uh, sorry, the preview preview podcast for the season, where in the past we've maybe spoke about top three or top fours, whereas this year it's absolutely top five, if not six, seven. Like anyone can get in there. So Coventry, again, very, very, very good side, but there are a lot of good sides in this league, and they're all beating each other. Quietly going about their business in third place. It's your new team. They're uh, they're going all right at the moment. It's obviously a, a slightly sticky win on on Saturday but you take it as five points that was in the bag at half time and again no disgrace in in losing to to Ealing it's just a, such a difficult place to go but a high score and an entertaining affair that shows that, that Donny can play a couple of ways yeah it looked like we were disappointed not to get more out of going down to Ealing I think we went with a game plan that the moments in the game that we implemented that game plan we we did well the moments that we didn't um Ealing scored and I think it's credit to the coach of the game plan they put out there, but we unfortunately couldn't implement it to the uh, to the levels we wanted to. And I think if we had done, there was maybe more for us out of that game. Um, the, the best thing you can say about our performance against Cambridge is we got five points. We did not have a vintage performance by any uh, stretch of the imagination. There was lots of it was good. There was lots of it that needs improving. So we will just keep focusing on us and trying to get better each and every week. That's all you can do. And that's the thing with this league. There is so much going on outside of the bubble of each each team, both with the other teams, with the uncertainty of what's happening next year, with players moving, players' movement all around the league, that as cliche as it is, all you can really do is focus on your own bubble. And that, for me, means focus on how I perform each day in training and how I play each Saturday. And for us as Doncaster Knights, means focus on the 80 minutes we put out on a Saturday, uh, the hours we put in the training field, and then hope that that... Gives us a good finish come the end of the season. But talking about teams who are quietly going about their business, the Cornish Pirates, Ross, suddenly out of nowhere are in second and have a chance to take the top spot this weekend when they go to Ealing. Would you like to tell us your secrets, please? Certainly won't be telling you any secrets. There aren't any to tell. Um, I wish there was, because uh, we would uh, we would keep using it because it's been a great couple of weeks. There's no getting away from that. I think it... More than anything, it demonstrates how tight the league is. We've spoken about it. You know, those top five sides in, in particular, they can all beat anyone anywhere. You look at our two results that we've lost or two losses this season, both been at home to Bedford and Doncaster, who are in that that top five. So, you know, we've 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 taken two very, very good away wins in the last couple of weeks. There's no there's no much more dressing it up than that, you know. Going to Coventry, we were extremely, you know, focused on 
on a game plan that we we thought that we could get the the points from that game. We were actually in a position where we probably could have pushed on and, and got a bonus point. But you know, beggars absolutely cannot be choosers um, at those away venues. You know, Coventry at Bedford. You know, I think we're. 27-7 up at half time, but you know, you're in dreamland a little bit, and then you think, well, you know, Bedford have got to play down the slope. They like doing that, they're so dangerous. And that that second half was a little bit hairy and you know, very nearly got away from us. Same with the Coventry game, really. But at the end of the day, it's two wins. Um, if you had offered us eight points from those two games a couple of weeks ago, it'd have absolutely bitten your hand off. Um, yeah, and it just adds something to the weekend, obviously. Ealing Ealing a top, deservedly so, and we're within a win, and it'll be interesting to see selection from both sides. Um, as as at the time of recording, Elin have obviously got their their Premiership Rugby Cup semi final, but their bread and butter's the league. We know that they've got a, a deep squad. Um, but yeah, it's good to have some some excitement in the league. Good to see teams in different positions. We've had different teams in top spot, second, third, fourth, fifth. We spoke about you know the people having games in hand and and that kind of drama that's created by having the games in hand. And you'd rather have the points on the board, but yeah, it helps us. Yeah, I think it's making for a, for an exciting back end of the season as we as we speak at the the halfway point and and obviously we we finish off on uh, on your ex team earlier this season Ealing they are sitting top they do have a game in hand over the Pirates they do have two games in hand over Doncaster and Coventry and you know you'd expect them to be there wouldn't you they're a, they're a, a juggernaut of an outfit yeah that that squad at Ealing is too good to be sitting anywhere than other than top really if we're being honest that is a squad full of top-class championship, premiership international players. So it's no surprise, but I think they they will be wanting to make sure they get that win this weekend so that it's not a, oh, we're second, but with a game in hand. They'll want to be top with with a game in hand. But what Pirates have shown the last few weeks, like they'll go anywhere and win. So if there, there was ever a time to be going to Ealing, it, it's got to be for you boys feeling right, right now when, when confidence has got to be high going away. And as you say, it, it's hard if you're an Ealing player right now to not be looking over your shoulder. Well, not over your shoulder, looking forward past your nose. Not a saying, but we'll go with it. Um, at the fact, Leicester Tigers come to town in not too long. So I think if there was ever a time to be playing them, if I was the Cornish Pirates, I think I'd be feeling pretty, pretty happy that it is now. Just a bit of housekeeping. Uh, we've spoken about all the teams there. There's a couple of games this weekend, rearranged games, of course. Um Two. We'll start with Coldy against Bedford. Really interesting one this because like I would say it's the it's the right time of year for Coldy to be at home. It's the wrong time of year to be going up there. But Bedford, I, I don't know what it is. I've just got this this feeling that they really have got to go out and prove a point this week and sort of turn around some of their fortunes in recent weeks. Yeah, Bedford will be desperate for a result this week. There's there's no two ways about it. Those two losses at home we've spoken about are going to be hurt, and then they're going to be reeling from that and wanting a result and they'll they'll need it like a win here puts them back in I believe into that top three straight away and when you're in the top three things start looking a lot better very quickly so I think a lot will depend on what the weather is like up at Coldy how that pitch is holding up and until I've seen a weather forecast I won't be making any sort of prediction yeah I will give predictions later in the week on Instagram to make sure everyone is following there but the other game this weekend is, I just alluded to, the top-of-the-table clash between the Cornish Pirates and the Ealing Trailfinders rearranged. How are things down the southwest as you prepare for that one, my friend? It's good. It's an interesting one because, obviously, without going too far into it, you know, this game has been rearranged because of the unfortunate incident with, with Ben Grubb last time. So, we haven't spoken about that, you know, and, and the emotion. We don't know, you know, how the boys are going to be on the day in terms of the emotion. It was obviously something... Very difficult for them, very real for them. Um, but, you know, lest we forget that 
at the time it was 12-0. It would have been an extra man for the last 22 minutes. We were in the game. Um, we were physical on the day. We fronted up and, and we're going to have to do exactly the same this weekend to have any sort of chance. So, like I say, you earlier on in the show, eight points from the last two games would have bitten your hand off. But oddly now, you, you look at it from the, from the players' perspective, from the Pirates' perspective, especially in a, a position they probably may not have everybody else would have thought they were being in, believing in ourselves, you know, we've got a, an opportunity to go top of the table into a week off, you know, rest the body bodies up. We don't play again in the league until the beginning of March because of the Jersey game. So it's an important weekend for us. I think, you know, we're hopefully going to take something away from the game, but we always go into any game, even as, as tough a one as Ealing to, to go up there and try and get the win. So really looking forward to it. Um, hopefully we can, uh, we can fire some shots and hopefully we can come home with some points. Yeah, I think it's going to be an absolutely fascinating one. I will be on my phone frantically updating your very own Twitter updates, Mr. Hancock, to see what's going on. I certainly hope to be providing them well from uh, southwest London, mate. But as we uh, we won't be back on, on the pod until uh, after this weekend and I believe after the Premiership Rugby Cup semi-final. Now, we've spoken about Elin. Uh, we've spoken about them potentially looking at that. I know they're going hard on the market and I like that. It's really good. Is it, let's talk about it or let's flip it and look at it in a different way. Is that a really well-timed fixture for the future of this league? So we're looking at tomorrow being another potential crunch meeting with the RFU. How big for the league could Ealing play a part in terms of beating lesser Tigers on TV and showing how strong the league is? I think that would be brilliant for the league. And I think that would be a lovely kind of look at what we can do, but... I don't think that will be the deciding factor in whether people take the league seriously or not. I think if they, if certain people decided they don't want to think this league serves a purpose or is a good league or a useful league, I think they have decided that already. On the flip side, I think the people who are supporting it have all, are already supporting this league. So I think it would be nice, obviously, and I don't think there'll be a single person in the championship not supporting Ealing that day, which will be a strange feeling for a lot of people in the championship. But I think we all put our championship hats on. I think having a championship side in the final of the Premiership Cup would be a great moment for all of us and for the league. And especially for people at Ealing, there's a lot of people at Ealing I've seen firsthand do a lot of hard work and deserve that. So I think we'll all want um, we'll all want an Ealing win that day. We want to see a big crowd, hopefully. I'm sure there'll be a good crowd going out from Leicester. I know the fans at Leicester are brilliant and it's a new ground for them to go to, so they'll want to be down there. Uh, they're marketing it brilliantly. Hopefully get a good crowd in London that day. And who knows? Uh, an, uh, an Ealing hitting their stride on their day, I think, can go toe-to-toe with most Premiership sides. So, obviously, internationals are away for less, that sort of thing. Uh, I think it'd be a brave person to go against Ealing that day, and hopefully we can see Ealing Trail finders make it to the final of the uh, Premiership Cup, and that'd be a really cool and great moment for for the league, but also for everyone at the club. Looking forward to it. Thanks, uh, thanks as always, Charlie, for joining us. Lots going on at the moment. Big thanks to to Will Rigg for joining us today, uh, to producer Ryan as ever. Make sure you're looking out for us on the socials. A few more predictions to come. Not a load of rugby in the, the next couple of weeks, but we will we will be back soon. And, and who knows, you might have a little bit of news and Charlie might stop yawning. Sorry, sorry. I won't lie, Ross. I thought you were just going to carry on there. And I've been holding that yawning, but the professionalism, the, the, the veil has been dropped. I'm an amateur and I've done a massive yawn at the end. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter.